part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's John Tellich from the Guardians of the Land MLB Podcast. Be sure to hop on with us to follow all the dramatic developments of the reigning American League Central Division champions. From game analysis to interviews to keeping tabs on who could be the next breakout star. We'll have that and much, much more right here. It's the Guardians of the Land MLB podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. Subscribe here and join the fun. What's, what's good, Breakers, I guess, is a way we can start this episode. That sound means it's time for Cavs in the Break, NBA podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chase Smith, and if it sounds like I'm a little down tonight, if it sounds like not much is good, well, not much is good in the land right now. Joining me, he's the NBA writer for HoopsWire.com. He's our Cavs insider, national NBA writer, soon to conquer the rock in 2023, 2024, Sam Amico. Sam, right before we recorded, you had the determination of, of a young buck who said, I'm going to every home game. I'm going to cover this team like I've never covered them before. And it was a joy to see that fire as you were leaving the rock for the last time this season, Sam. So that's my plan for next season. Uh, the, the being the Cavs being back in the playoffs really, while it didn't go so well, uh, did inspire me, uh, a little bit. And I, I had a great time, uh, going to the games again. So, uh, which I hadn't done a whole lot of this year, but, but next year I intend to go to, uh, as many as possible, which I hope is all 41 home games. Saying it didn't go so well is the understatement of the century, Sam. Also joining us, he covers, uh, he's a sports anchor at News, Fox News 8, host of the Sable Brothers and the Baseline podcast right here on the Press Play Podcast Network. John Sable. John was also at a handful of the home games here for the playoffs. And every time John sent pictures or mentioned he was there, it just was so, so happy for him. But I was just filled with green and envy and jealousy, John, which don't look good on me. Well, I think it was mostly because you knew Sam and I were having a good time and you were stuck at home. So much. So much. <laughs> John Sable could have been introduced as the reason that I've been inspired to go back to the games. And you too, Chase. That's, you know, eventually you'll get That's there. That's a whole another yeah. thread about why I wasn't at any of the games. We can talk about that maybe when we have no content in the offseason. Uh, Jeremy's going to be sitting this one out. We love you, JIA. Uh, always love having you on. Also, shouts to Zach for checking this pot out. Um, guys, the 2022-2023 Cavs season is over. Tonight, they lost game five at home to the New York Knicks, 106-95. to I'm just going to read some stats, and then I want to hear you guys' reactions because you were there. Um, Jalen Brunson, 23 points, four rebounds, four assists. R.J. Barrett, 21 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Julius Randle left the game in the first half with an ankle injury. didn't even play. He's in street clothes. He didn't play the entire second half. Mitchell Robinson, 
18 rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds. Are you kidding me? Josh Hart, 12 rebounds, nine of them offensive rebounds. They had 17 total offensive rebounds again. The Knicks just absolutely destroyed us. Donovan Mitchell ended up with 28, 7, and 5. Mobley, six points, nine rebounds. Jared Allen, four points, four. That's for the entire game. Guys, I was saying before you jumped on, I was talking to John. This whole series, at first I said it was like big brother, little brother, but it wasn't even like that. It was like a dad playing basketball on his knees with his son, who's five. That's what it was like. It wasn't even close. None of these games were this close. None of these games were close at all. Sam, do you feel like those are accurate descriptions of how this series went? Dad with a five-year-old brother playing on his knees on a Fisher-Price basketball hoop. Yeah. I mean, it was that utter dominance. There was eight minutes left in the game, and I I probably put this in the group text, but I thought, what? The Cavs aren't coming back to win this. They just cannot get anything going. It's been the same story every game that they lost, right? All four of the games they lost was the same story. They were out physical. They were killed on the glass in rebounding. And they just, you know, the Knicks would run three or four guys at Mitchell. And by the time that he got something going, it was too late. So there was just a lot of things. I, I didn't expect them to be, I didn't know that they would win this series, the Cavs, but I sure didn't expect them to just really be contained and suffocated and as out of sorts as they were in really all four losses. It was bad, John. It was real bad. Does the uh, father, five-year-old, toddler son resonate with you, Minnie? (laughs) It's funny because I had visions of me playing on a Fisher-Price basketball hoop when my nephew was like two years old and me just schooling him left and right and yeah, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, listen, this this Cavs team got owned in every facet, every single statistical category. Owned. They got worked. And it wasn't pretty. And it was downright ugly. It was pathetic. And every criticism that you throw at them, they deserve. I mean, it, it was embarrassing. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to. Try to I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It, it, it was yeah. garbage. The garbage performance. To try to pinpoint here. to one thing is a disservice to how bad it was. I mean, the glaring mistake was the rebounding. I mean, I think that is the large piece to this awful yeah, poop it, cake of what happened. But yeah, so much was wrong. Well, it was, and I, I find it very interesting about the physicality and the out rebounding part of everything so it was evident in game one and game two was the only game they actually obviously won but it was also the only game where the Cavs didn't get out rebounded right and they got manhandled and all the big all of our bigs all the Cavs bigs which are just two Evan Mobley and Jared Allen played horrible I found it very interesting though tonight in the post game JB Bickerstaff that was the biggest thing he talked about was the difference in this game was the physicality and out rebounding. He finally acknowledged it. He's acknowledged other post previous post game pressers and shoot arounds and stuff. But this one was a 
I, I don't know, Sam. It, it, it kind of sounded like threw hands up in the air. Yeah, well, they did everything they wanted, and and we were awful. Uh, and it, I mean, obviously, when you're a coach and you're these games, you're trying to you know stay positive. And now at the end of the series, you can kind of explain and be a little bit more honest with yourselves. And I think he finally was. Yeah, I mean, I th- I agree with you, JB after the game was really more open about, you know, he kept using the word physicality and how the Cavs were dominated in that area. So, uh, and you're right, you know, you don't want to say that during the series and upset your guys, but they knew, you know, everybody saw what was going on and uh, it was a disappointing. I wasn't, Evan Mobley, uh, listen, coming into the series, I thought there was a good chance he would play like, a playoff rookie. I thought there was a good chance just having seen so much NBA basketball over the years, guys who were in their first playoff experience played worse. Garland played worse. Uh, he had a couple of nice moments. He had a great game too. He had a nice couple of, you know, uh, that third quarter of game uh, four was nice, but for the most part, those guys weren't who they were all season, Mobley and Garland. To me, the biggest disappointment of the whole thing, if you're talking about the Cavs, and, and, and you know, this isn't to trash the guy, it's just pointing it out, was Jared Allen. He was a huge disappointment in this series. And, um, you know, you learn from it, and you got to move on if you're, if you're Jared Allen and the Cavs. You got to just take it and, and improve on it next season. But, that, yeah, that I agree. to me was the story of the series was that, that Jared Allen just was out-muscled, to, to well, put it kindly. Sam, I thought it was interesting. I said this in the group text this morning, listening to shoot-around. Jared Allen admitted that they were rattled in New York. Mitchell Robinson exposed and called him out after game three. I thought that could have been bulletin board material. I thought that could have been motivation for game four, and it didn't happen. I mean, and, and not only that, but Jared Allen had finally he – he admitted it this morning. And then Darius Garland disagreed and was, like, flabbergasted when he was asked that question. That right there to me this morning was, well, you got a little disconnect there in terms of the mentality here. And Jared Allen yeah. just I, – I, I'm, I'm just going to say it, guys. Flat out quit tonight. He got owned. He did not hustle. He just went through the motions. The mentality of this game got in his head, and it got exposed, and he quit. You know, I, I don't think this should be a shock to anyone. We've talked about on this podcast all season long from the very first game that they've the Cavs have got to get bullied around. They struggle with physical teams against teams like the Raptors, teams like the Celtics, and the Knicks in that mix. The most fight we've seen from this team was that national televised game against the the Grizzlies when Mitchell got punched in the nuts. That was the only time all season this team showed any type of grit, toughness, or physicality. And this is something that we've been talking about that I think, and look, I, I will be the first to admit I am a hype man. I get carried away. I'm overly optimistic. I get excited. That's I'm a fan what I do and I get crapped on when I do cover the Cavs because oh you can't react or you can't smile if you're on media row you can't have fun so I do apologize Sam that I do get a little excited 
when I get to cover games, but I am. The shocking part is the rebounding. The physicality, we've seen that all season from this team. They've always been soft. They've never had an enforcer. That's not new. What is shocking is how we just got spanked on the boards, and it is a con- it that you know I don't know what it's just I don't know I don't know. But you know, um, Chase the Cavs. Chase to your point. To your point. Um, and in that Grizzlies game, I believe John Morant did not play in. Right? Was that the game he didn't play in? I don't remember. It was. I, they, I don't think he did. Yeah, I mean, but that was a game. You're right. That was the only time you ever got to see Donovan Mitchell. In, in company, you know, show some grit, show show some toughness. And you're right, because there was not any toughness shown in this series by anybody. I mean, at the end of the game here, Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro in the second half were hustling and running around Mitchell too. But that's just hustle. That's not that's not being, you know, tough and physical. Cavs is there's not a physical team. They're a soft team. And I, I, I digress. Yeah. The game against the Pacers in December when Mitchell wrestled that ball away that kind of sparked a team to, to come back. But like, those are the only examples I can think of. Yeah. Um, the, the Cavs at home were 31 and 10 all season. They lost two of their last three at home. And one of the better home court teams in the league uh, did not translate into the playoffs at all. They're, they're, a team, they're, at all. they're a team built for the regular season, not for the playoffs. And they had a massive mismatch against the Knicks. We all underestimated New York. We didn't put the size aspect on the table when di- dissecting the series matchup. We undervalued the size of Mitchell Robinson and um, Isaiah Harkenstein. Uh, you know, not not so much the production, but just the size. Julius Randle was pretty much a non-factor in this series. If guys, if we would have told you in game before game one, Julius Randle would probably be the third or fourth most, uh, you know. Uh, impactful player in the Knicks, you would think, oh my gosh, the Cavs are going to sweep them. Nope. Yeah, I don't think the Cavs could have shot or played any worse, though. This is the worst. I mean, Sam, you texted game three. This is the worst you've ever seen the Cavs play, and they follow that up with two more stinkers. <laughs> yeah, I, that was the worst I had ever seen them play. You're right. In, the, in game three, that was the worst playoff game I'd ever seen from a Cavaliers team. Now, I mean, were these... Know, What's that? Were these like of all of the losses this season? These were three of them were in the top five of their worst losses of the year. Were these last three games? Yeah, they couldn't score hundred points. They scored hundred points once in this series. Um, so yeah, I mean, they looked terrible in Game Three. Obviously awful. Game Four looked pretty bad for the majority of it. And game five, I told John after the game, we were walking down the press row before the game was over because we, you know, we were like, it's all, it's a formality now. But when we were walking down, John, I remember I told you, I said, this is the most boring Cavs game I've ever been to. And it's because the crowd was taken out of it right away. There wasn't a whole lot of energy in the building. And... I just, there just wasn't, you know, I mean, we could go on and on about why they, or what, what they didn't do in the playoffs that they did all regular season. Cause there were a lot of things, but if there's the one thing that they definitely didn't do was 
really seem to have any resolve. You know, they always seem to have fight and come back and overcome. They didn't seem to have that uh, in any of these losses. You know, they can What a sucky weight. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just to piggyback on Sam's point. They caved under the pressure. And when adversity struck, as a coach and anybody, other teammates, you want to see to persevere and overcome that adversity. Yeah, yeah, the Cavs didn't do that at all. They crumbled. They let the moment get too big for them. In New York in those two games, they did get rattled. And then when they went down 3-1 and came back home here, I mean, we all knew this was they weren't going to win this game. Sam, you and I talked about it in the last pod. I said it on Fox 8. I mean, th- this wasn't going to happen. They just yeah. – they were not in it. The crowd was not in it from the beginning either. And th- that was one of the quietest games that I can remember being at. Uh, I don't know. been a while. I mean, there was a couple moments. The Cavs made a run. They cut the lead to like a six. It got loud. And then when the New York went on a 6-7-0 run there in the uh, late third quarter, crowd went out like like that. Like the switch was flipped. And uh, they could what? they couldn't do it. What a nasty taste in your mouth heading into the off season. Well, and, and we're not going to do a uh, off season, you know, uh, pod here of talking about moves and things like that. That's for a different day. But I'll just say this: Kobe Altman and Sam. I know you. We, we talked about this. Kobe Altman's got his work cut out, and there's not much he can really do. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I I wrote about that. And my dribbles column is that, you know, I, and look, I, I, again, I know you guys don't want to turn this into off season pod, but the way I look at this is with some perspective, I didn't think that this was a gimme for the Cavs coming into this series. I, I, you know, some family and friends, I told you guys were just like frustrated with me for being right about that. I said, I thought the Cavs were better than the Knicks coming into the series. I didn't think they were that much better. And I, I thought that they were slightly better. Well, Tom Thibodeau came into this series and made it very clear. We're going to not let Donovan Mitchell beat us. If these other guys who haven't been to the playoffs can beat us, then so be it. We're going to take our chances yep. with these other guys who haven't been to the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell's not going to do it. And as Where? soon as I recognized that about the series, yeah. I thought it's over because physicality not rebounding do doesn't thing. just change. Physicality rebounding doesn't just change in one game at the halftime nope. adjustment. Like that's stuff that right. <laughs> like, yeah, Chase. There's no switch. Uh, there's no switch to flip that on. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. Jared Allen and, and the guys can talk. Well, you know, we could be like you know different defensive positions and. And and being better, uh, you know, schemes, blah 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 blah. You know that doesn't make a difference in this. And I know he's got to say something. That was a pregame stuff. Uh, but you know, we touched on you know Bibbs, you know, early on about the X factor of the coaching experience. And boy, I guess we we made that as a point before our series preview. But I guess we really still underestimated him, even though we did talk about it. I mean, all you do, you take Donovan Mitchell's away you double team him you lose the pick and roll Cavs have no set offense boom you're exposed yeah and they you couldn't know, score where, they couldn't score right yeah where was the leader at any point in these games to say hey let's pull it together hey 
Like, why didn't Donovan take uh get a flagrant one? Why didn't someone try to turn the tide that way? Well, I, I don't know if you need a flagrant or a big hard foul to do that because there is no enforcer, and I don't think Donovan is that type of player. There were times when he took control in the huddles and games. He'd grab or Darius or Okoro or Levert and say, hey, we're going this way or that way or do this. You know, he did that with Donovan or he did that with Darius after game one. I witnessed it at practice sit down there with one of the coaches on the computer going over some things. But if you're looking at like an enforcer like that, the Cavs don't have anybody. The closest person they have is Lamar Stevens, and he's not even really an enforcer. He's just a big – he's a body. Um, that's the big thing they're missing. They, they need size and strength and a wing that can score. Two glaring positions, and I don't know where they're going to get them. You would like to have that, but you just there's just no one on that roster that would that could have stepped up in that spot, Jace, unfortunately. Yeah. We can't do it, Sam. We can't go in the court and try to rally the team as much as we'd like to. You guys are trying to try to get a spot on the team today, huh? My uh my well, I did mention that uh if they just want to <laughs> sign a guy named Sam, you know, I could I could probably do what Sam Merrill did. At least during the game, probably not at practice, but I could sit there and root for the team <laughs> during games. Oh man, it, well, it's it's a tough like, thing to swallow, guys. It really is. And, and if we're being honest, we've talked about it. The regular season was a success. The Cavs were probably a year ahead of schedule. It's just the regular season really doesn't matter when you lose five games to a team on paper. On paper, you're still probably better wise in talent, but. They don't play games on paper, guys. They play it on the hardwood. Yeah. As John mentioned, we will do a off-season shows during the off-season. They probably won't be as every week as frequent, but stick with us. We'll be with you um, all off-season long. I want to do our uh, tales from the uh, group chat again. Again, all of these are real texts sent during the game. I will avoid sharing who said them, uh, but these were texted throughout Game 5 tonight. From our Cavs on the Break group chat. I honestly don't think you can bring Allen back next year. They should just stop the game. I mean, it's not like they're going to come back and win. Mobley has been almost equally as useless. The two tallest players on the team have shrunk in the biggest games of their lives. Charmin soft. Cleveland Rockers would hit more open shots than them. Uh, should they have traded Mobley instead of Markinen? Could use a stretch fork and handle the score. What if Mobley is on the same career arc of, say, Bobby Portis? Bobby can't even say it with a straight face. Bobby Portis Jr. Just kidding. Just trying to make someone mad. Lols. Uh, <laughs> who would write lols? Who would write that? I don't know. The putback dunk to seal it is a nice touch. And the last one here, Jalen Brunson, 2-0 in the playoffs and two tries versus Spider. Translation, uh, he uh, Jalen Brunson is no Mark Aguri. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. No, it's Mark Aguirre. Translation, Jalen Brunson is no Mark Aguirre. <laughs> Woo. Oh, wow. Those are those will, were uh, some, some uh, intense texts. <laughs> for for the final game of uh, the season. My goodness. This sucks. I hate it. I thought the Cavs were good enough to beat the Knicks and they're not. Um 
And I don't know if there's a team in the East they're good enough to get out of round one. Maybe the Hawks. Yeah, um, you know, again, because the playoffs chase are such a different animal, it's hard to know how you're going to match up with somebody in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know, you know. And again, when you're as young as the Cavs are, there you have three starters going into the series who were playoff rookies. Okay, so I mean, some perspective there is, yeah. You know, there we had three playoff rookies who unfortunately all played like rookies in the playoffs. Yeah. Next year, they won't be playoff rookies. No, no. And, uh, yeah, gosh, it's just, it's just hard. It's, it's hard to swallow. It's, it's hard to watch. And it's unfortunate that, uh, this is, last game of the season for us we're going to take a quick break and we come back i'm going to do a segment i don't think we've done this segment all year a segment called narratives where we try to guess what people are going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks and uh stick around john sable sam amico Cavs in the break here we'll be right back hi everybody it's john Tellich from the guardians of the land mlb podcast Be sure to hop on with us to follow all the dramatic developments of the reigning American League Central Division champions. From game analysis, to interviews, to keeping tabs on who could be the next breakout star. We'll have that and much, much more right here. It's the Guardians of the Land MLB podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. Subscribe here and join the fun. What's up, everyone? I'm Holly Wetzel. And I'm Tigers Powell. And we are your hosts of the Orange is Oranger, a Cleveland Browns podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. We give you all the dog pound coverage that you'll need to get you through the regular season, hopeful postseason, and I'd say off-season, Tigers, but is there really ever an off-season for this team? Thankfully for our podcast, Holly, there really never is when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Don't miss our breakdown of each week's matchup game recaps and any and all news out of Berea to feed your Browns appetite. As we know, Holly, dogs gotta eat. Yes, they do. So hit that subscribe button and never miss an episode of the Orange is Orange Cleveland Browns podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. Looking for new insights on the Cleveland sports scene with a unique side of Cleveland sports history? Then you found the perfect podcast. I'm John Sable. And I'm Scott Sable, and we're hosts of the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, a podcast about Cleveland sports, but not your typical podcast about the land's sports teams. Join us as we embark on a journey of sharing a unique and historical side of Cleveland sports history with the help of some former Cleveland sports stars and other historical figures. All right here on the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. The R&R Podcast going to be rocking and rolling with you because football season is underway. College, Ohio State, the Power Fives, the Mac, the Browns. Michael Regai, are you ready to rock and roll with some football? Kenny, I've been ready. This is our time of year. This is what R&R is all about. We're going to be with you every week. Kenny just said it, Browns, NFL, Ohio State-centric. So you got to stay with us all fall and winter long here on R&R. That's right, the Red Eye and Rhoda podcast coming to you here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Subscribe now and don't miss a show. 
Hey everybody, I'm Gary. And I'm Jason. Opening cards as a kid, no matter what was in the pack, you always had that stick of chewing gum. Well, it turns out Gary and I opened up a box of 86 tops last year, and let me tell you, the chewing gum does not age well. Join us on the Ball Card Show. The sports podcast for the sports collector. All right, we're back. Cavs on the break. NBA podcast here with John Sable, Sam Amico. I'm just so flustered. My normal call-off, sign-offs, or segues are just, they're just blah tonight. This is gross, and I don't like it. Uh, let's, let's, let's do a segment called Narratives where we try to guess leads or storylines or narratives um, going into uh, the the Thursday, Friday weekend here. Um, I'll start. Uh, narrative: JB Bickerstaff uh, is on the hot seat. Is that a, is that a narrative that we could be seeing? Who are we starting with? Sable. Is that a narrative we could be seeing? No, I think he fell asleep. Oh, there he is. I know. I don't think so. There's a lot of talk among media people about it. You know, hey, you know, what are you going to do? I just don't think it's that, that, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not feasible. It's not like necessarily his fault that his players didn't shoot well or, you know, they got out rebounded. I mean, it's not all on him. Yeah, there were some coaching decisions that weren't probably the best, but again, it's kind of hard. You're dealt with the players you have in the roster. If anything, I think there should be equal blame to the front office and not providing a better bench. I'll listen to that argument all day long, but uh, no, I, I don't think that happens at all. Sam, is that a narrative that his uh, he's on the hot seat? No, he shouldn't be. I mean, not I not at this point. I just think that you know what's he supposed to do with Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart and those guys just dominating on the re- uh, you know on the glass, and then and then Jalen Brunson. Really, Chase, you always say it, best player on the floor, that team usually wins. That was Jalen Brunson most of this series. So yeah. what's what's JB Bickerstaff supposed to do about that? I don't I don't know. I think there are like like John said, there are moments he could have been better. Sure. You know, but I, I don't think gutting your coaching staff at this point because you lost in the first round with a young four is reason that I, I don't think that's the that's the solution. And when it's funny when certain media members talk about this, my rebuttal is who are you gonna replace him with? I didn't think about it that way. Yeah exactly. And, well that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean the, the 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 first two people that you'd replace him with or the first three people that you would replace him with if you're asking me already now have jobs in the NBA. Rockets just made a hire today. Snyder the job in the middle of the year in Atlanta. Yeah. Third guy is on yes. the roster in Luke Walton. JD Bickerstaff would, Luke yeah, Walton. I mean, what, what's, the, what's the point? The only guy I would think about in that situation would be Quinn Snyder because he and uh, Donovan Mitchell have such a tight bond. But I, he's, he's already taking, and I, I don't think that, you know, I, I, I just don't think gutting stuff is the solution. You build – off this season. I, you don't tear it down. All right. Uh, well, uh, Sam, g- give me a narrative that might surround Jared Allen. 
Well, I mean, I've seen stuff on Twitter that, well, and in our group text that they need to move on from him. I Again, I am not in favor of tearing things apart right now because they are a young core. Was Jared Allen wildly disappointing in the playoffs? Yes. But I just, again, what are you going to do to make that better? I don't think you're going to trade Jared Allen. I don't think that's going to improve anything. I think that you go out and you find another big guy to help him out in these situations. You're banking on Mobley going to be in the playoffs next year and actually making an impact. These were lessons that they had to learn. J.B. Bickerstaff said it after the game. It sucks. But this is the way of the NBA. And any and bigger staff even basically said anybody who doesn't know this already hasn't been following the NBA very long. Your guys, yeah. you're going to have certain guys who are just too young to overcome at this time of year. And he said that it's a different ball game, and it it really is. And so I think you know saying you know they got to trade Jared Allen or whatever. I just think that's an overreaction because then who are you going to bring in? Who's going to fit with these guys? Yes, he had a terrible, he had the worst five-game stretch of his career, I would say, right here. So it's out of the way. you know. But what you do is you build on that and go find somebody who can back him up. They had no backup. John just said that a little bit. So, you know, yes, there will be a Jared Allen narrative that's a lot of negativity, and he had a terrible series. But I just don't think you tear up your core because you had a bad series against a team that outplayed you and outmuscled you and outhustled you. You learn from it, you build on it. Sam's trying to do a little sneak peek of overreaction or own point. That's that's for the offseason, buddy. That's another one of our favorite segments. John, uh, <laughs> give me a narrative. Uh, you got any narratives? Well, I, I think to piggyback on the Jared Allen point, I was a little disappointed, not just in his play, but tonight. I mean, he completely ducked the media. Now, they will have locker room clean-out day tomorrow, so let's hope he talks tomorrow. But he didn't talk today uh, or tonight. So um, that's kind of out of character for him. He usually faces the music. So maybe he didn't talk. Maybe he had things going on, and then he figured he'd just talk tomorrow. Um, but I, I do think you know, he has kind of been exposed in a lot of different ways, and I think if you're trying to retool rosters, that could be an option to – look at a trade maybe i don't know but, but i think it's still very overreactionary i agree one narrative that i would like to look at going forward in the um off season though really is you know what can they do to find a wing i mean what can they find they got to get a, a guy that could be that wing player that can score i mean they don't grow on trees it's the hardest position to find in the nba and i i just i don't think you can come back this season next year in the fall for training camp with the options of Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert, and Chetty Osman. That's not going to cut it. Something has to change. And I think they bring Levert back on a contract. I asked him today in the locker room if he wants to come back. He's still looking for a contract. This is kind of a home for him. He's from Columbus. He loves playing here. Uh, players, his teammates love him. So, I would be opposed at that. I don't know what the price would be. Sam, you may have a better idea on that, but um, 
I think the wing spot is something they really got to look forward to in the offseason here, and I don't know where they're going to find that. Yeah, uh, here's the narrative I have for you guys. Um, The Cavs are out of excuses. This team is out of excuses. Uh, Playoff experience, check. Uh, uh, Getting crushed on the road, check. First year with Donovan Mitchell on the team, check. Uh, The Cavs are out of excuses. They have no excuses now. Their grace period with this core is over. The grace period with the city is over. The grace period with his coaching staff is over. There is no more excuses. They had a successful season. They had home court advantage. (laughs) There is no, there are no more excuses for this team. Next year is put up or shut up. Next year is no, you need to go deep in the playoffs. There are no more excuses and it's, it's time for them to, stop reading their own headlines and stop listening to their own podcasts and stop listening to <laughs> all the hype and, and play ball. And there are no more excuses. Now, I would agree, Chase. And if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs next year, we got major problems. Well, what do you guys consider a deep run? Eastern second round. Conference finals. Oh, second second round. round. Right. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say second round, second and round. then if that second yeah. round, if you lose in seven, is is six or seven games in the second round, uh, would be considered yeah, a deep run. You're competitive at the very least. Sure. Yeah, you can't get swept by the 76ers next year in the second round. You got to put up some type of fight. That makes that's yeah, that is a reasonable thing in my opinion. But um, the one thing, just just to John, I've I was talking to somebody tonight. They made it sound like they didn't think Levert would be back next year. Now, hmm. who knows? Now, the other thing, too, hmm. there's a team option, I believe, on Chetty's contract, right? I, I'm pretty sure he's got a team option on his deal. Uh, I don't think he'll be back either. I, I do. I personally think that have a feeling that Levert will be. But if Chetty has a team option, no, they'll, they'll let him walk. I'm looking it up right now, Sam. So uh, that's that's interesting. I didn't think Chetty had a team option. I, I didn't look it up, but somebody mentioned it to me tonight. It's a, that's true. Okay, yeah, so it's it. a non-guaranteed contract. So I guess that would be an option. It turns into fully yeah. guaranteed on June 29th. Yeah, so they probably will pick up that. I'd be surprised if they picked that up, but that's a topic for another day. But, you know, building on what Chase said is, yeah, those are the things that you need to be relying on next season. That's, that's where you intend to go. That's why you went through what you went through in this, in this postseason to build on it yeah. and next year, take the next natural step. So I'm going to offer one more narrative for either Fox news eight or for Amico hoops or hoops wire. Um, it's this, uh, this isn't an excuse. This is not an excuse. It's, it's a, in defense of the team. All right. They are still very young and it's very easy to get wrapped up in the, we want you to be excellent. We want you to be 
28, 29 year old man playing basketball now when these are still 21, 22 year old guys. Um, and so in their defense, and this is not an excuse, but in their defense, you look at who's having success in the playoffs. Now their players, Jalen Brunson, notwithstanding um, players who are eight, nine, 10 year veterans in the league who are just built different, not the one, two, three year players. You know, you look at the Kings, obviously they're on the younger scale. Um, but I'm looking through this list here of the teams in the playoffs. And I think we're still pretty much the youngest team that are in the playoffs. And so in their defense, it's easy to get wrapped up in the hype in the we're so young, we're so good. Let's, as you said, Sam, give them time to grow. Let this marinate and see what happens. If we can be patient in four, five, six years with that, with, with that core second contract. So that's my, in their defense narrative. I think the reason why there's so much angst and disappointment in anger about this from fans it isn't so much because they're young. It's just how they played. If this went seven games yeah. and every single game was within five points and players played well and they didn't get outplayed in almost every statistical category, fans would accept it. Media would accept it. I, I mean, I would accept it. I just, I mean, I, I think they are young. You're right, Chase. And I've said this before, they're they're ahead of schedule. Um, but it's just how they lost is the most disheartening thing, you know? And and it and, and the guys that played the worst had the most playoff experience. Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen. Jared Allen had been to the playoffs before. He played in Brooklyn. He it's not the garden, but he has the New York media pressure from playing there. There are two guys the most experienced played the worst yeah i i you know chase with that narrative i would say that's really the narrative and approach and beliefs that i've had and and have about this season is yeah they found out that the playoffs are a different animal you know and Mm -hmm. that was probably bound to happen you had hoped it wouldn't happen I mean, you know, it doesn't always happen. Didn't happen with the Atlanta Hawks a couple years ago when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But most of the time, this is how it plays out. And I know, you know, readers or listeners will tell me, well, the Knicks aren't that experienced. But uh, they do. You know, Jalen Brunson played for the Mavericks last year, went to the Western Conference Finals. Julius Randle, R.J. Hampton. Uh, Josh Hart, those guys have all played in big games, have played in some playoff games. So, um, you know, the sad thing is that that it probably the Cavs would have probably had a chance to match the Hawks if they could have gotten out of this series because the Heat beat the Bucks, and then the Cavs would have had home court advantage for that too. But you know, the Heat could've... just yeah they beat eliminated the Bucks. The Bucks. Yeah, just that yeah what, they're the sixth number eight seed in NBA history to move past the number one seed. Think about that. Think about only, how, but, how do you think Bucks fans are feeling right now? I mean, yeah, I know Giannis only, was 100%, but man, that's... 
That's dicey. You know, All a right. couple, couple things I want to say real quick. JB had said, mm. said a few things in this press conference that kind of resonated with me. It kind of reminded me of what, what Jim Trestle once told me. Um, you know, he talked about like, you, you know, you got to, the playoffs gives you a new level of physicality. Uh, it's all parts of learning. And Donovan also said something along the lines of, you know, you got to have these tough losses to get to where you want to be. You can't manufacture experiences like this. I mean, you, you have to fail at some point in time. And um, what I had, I know it's a different sport, but it's the same exact narrative. When I had uh, Jim Trestle on my podcast a couple months ago, when he was talking about Ohio State's football and the Buckeyes struggles now against Michigan, you know, he said two quotes to me that always kind of, wow, that's like really you bring it, talk about life in general too. Like the toughest times produce the best future results and to become extraordinary, you really have to suffer and apply those two quotes to what is going on with the Cavs and JB Bickerstaff and Donovan Mitchell have basically said that tonight in different words. And so we can call this major growing pains because it hurts, it stings. Um, and you wanted to see better performance out of them. They wanted better performances out of themselves. And so hopefully that comes. And th- this is just something hard to, you know, tough pill to swallow right now. But hopefully this can be a building block for them next year. Well said, Mr. Sable. Well said. Well, that does it for this episode of Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. The final playoff press episode, I must say. And we've we've done a good job. I think we, you know, oh, there's only one game we didn't record after. That was game three. Um, so thank you all so much for downloading and listening. You guys have been the absolute greatest. Give it up for the breakers. You guys are just incredible. Shout to the Press Play Podcast Network for making this all possible. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Cavs on the Break. We always follow back. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Amico Hoops. Catch all of his works and writings at HoopsWire.com and at Wire Hoops. You can follow John on Twitter at John underscore Sable. Catch him at Fox News Channel 8 and Sable Brothers on the Baseline Podcast. Um, I'm going to give Sam the Junkyard Dog Award uh, one just for one, drinking regular pop for the first time in 20 years and for uh, being inspired to go to every home game next year. So, Sam, congratulations. You don't have to beg for this one. You just earned it. Wow. I, I didn't see that coming. That is a pleasant surprise uh, on the final Cavs game of the season. So, Although, thank you. I will I'm say, honored. And had I known that it would have taken me drinking regular pop that John Sable forced me to drink – or at least snuck into my hands. Um, I, I'm glad it was well worth it. It was well worth it. John's hair right now is putting up a good argument that he, that it should have won the junker dog award. Cause your hair is looking magnificent right now, oh, but sorry. I appreciate sorry, that. Amico takes it home. <laughs> hey, that wild cherry Pepsi never tasted so good. Right, Sam? <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, uh, I need to go run like 12 miles tomorrow now. Thanks. All right, Sam, any final words, my man? Hang in there, Cavs fans. It's going to be okay. This is not really as badly and poorly as they played. It's not that out of the ordinary. And, you know, now is another offseason to try to make things happen, improve the roster, and come back and get another shot at this next season. So it's not the end of the world. This team still has a very bright future. Just had five-game bad stretch, so... Stick with it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike Breen, take us out. 
Congratulations, Cleveland. Your decades-long wait is finally over. The Cavaliers are NBA champions.